tell stories filled with facts. Make people touch and taste and know. Make people feel, feel, feel. Octavia Butler. Welcome to Black Freedom Beyond Borders, Memories of Abolition Day. We invited 10 Black writers to imagine a world 100 years liberated from mass incarceration. Today, we enter a new story set in the past before Abolition Day, as the Dream Tank creates a simulation based on a new prompt from Ibrahim. Together, let us immerse ourselves in these freedom dreams as we explore a world after the abolition of police and prisons. This is Black Freedom Beyond Borders, Memories of Abolition Day. Would you like to explore another simulation in your inquiry, Ibrahim? Yes, I'm ready. How about this? Did our ancestors dream of Abolition Day? The answer is, of course, yes. But I understand what you mean. We will explore why our ancestors dreamed of abolition. Are you ready? And as suddenly as he said yes, everything faded to black. Mirage by Dante Clark We overcame their nights by fire, poured into streets with spewing heat, igniting a fallen sky tequila sunset. Because there was nowhere to hide, all souls and soil purged together, we knew this day would come. We've prayed and waited murky waters aside, bloated babies and charred bones, craving the taste of this jubilee. Peaceful protesting stirred a war cry, holding signs while kneeling down, only gotten a shot, jailed, or vanished. There was no way around it. With no justice, peace escapes us. America, an evil child born rotten, bursting with the belly of flies, only had a taste for killing. Out of options and nothing left, price for our freedom was death. We overcame their nights by fire. Carried our weight with bleeding knuckles through the flames, seeking to redeem. We knew this day would come. Leaping over ashes of Mount Rushmore, my heart makes noise within me. Heavy sounds pulling for new tears to submerge earth a holy baptism. Forsaking seedless vines of strange fruit for an endless bite out of heaven. With parched lips we sit numb. Sun and moon cover their eyes, untying our souls. We mourn deeply. Our tears walk on the wind. In prayer, we uplift the dead, remembering each soul precious and unique as black sand, kissing the sea. Iron yokes removed and tables turned, though memories of what happens haunts. We knew this day would come. The Way the Fireflies by Calvin Williams Summer 1919, Montgomery County Nunkamas, Mama Exili exhaled. Her words rolled as slowly as the river bend of Gun Island Chute. 
She swallowed hard to relieve the tightness in her throat and whispered again, forcefully, Never again. Mama Ezeli was adorned in an embroidered white cotton dress with ruffled layers draping around her bare feet. Usually, she accented her ensemble with a blue and gold headdress meticulously wrapped, a crown befitting of her royalty. But for this ceremony of remembrance, she gave herself permission to unravel her twisted tufts of locked gray hair and let it flow, like her tears, unapologetic and unashamed. With the way she waded among the shallow waters, Mama Ezeli appeared more like an apparition of a weeping willow swaying in summer storm winds. Her weary amberstone eyes drank in every sacred second of the golden hour as she inhaled the riverbank's sticky aroma of honeysuckle and birchwood mixed in a ruddy, muddy clay. I haven't smelled that fragrance in a lifetime, she whispered to herself, and I reckon this is medicine for my soul. All our souls. It indeed was a lifetime since Mama Ezeli stepped foot any place east of the Mississippi or anywhere south of the Mason-Dixon, let alone both. But that was until she received a telegram two months ago from a Mr. G.P. Brown that her only great-grandchild, Freeman Ali, had gone missing, which always meant the worst. Neither local police nor the county sheriff's department ever looked for her beloved Ali. They didn't have to. They knew exactly what happened and were likely there when it happened. Ali had been cited and fined twice for circulating editions of The Negro World among fellow Army veterans, Lincoln School students, and the local AME parishes. There was no third warning. Ali was among the first of many lives taken by the terror of this red summer. His wife, Madalee, had tragically passed last winter after contracting influenza. And she was among the first of many black nurses who died while serving in the segregated front lines of this other world war. So now, during a pandemic of viruses and violence doubly inflicted on black bodies, their precious young daughter, Pearlie, was orphaned at five years of age. The state entrusted her to the care of Madeline's kinfolk, the Browns, who called the sharecropped fields along the riverbanks of Gun Island shoot home, and they've done so as far back as Grandpapa Brown's stories could trace. Though she was too young to grasp the weight of this new world, she still fully grasped the weight of her new loss. Pearlie missed her parents sorely. Even in the warmth of all her aunties, uncles, her dozen sister cousins, and dear Grandpapa Brown, she would lay awake with fearful tears deep into the still of the night, fearful that she would wake up alone, or worse yet, that after falling asleep, she too would be among that disappeared. Pearlie felt a longing for healing and belonging that she never quite knew until meeting her beautifully mysterious great-great-grandmama this summer. It was inevitable that they would meet, for Mama Ezeli was visited by a vivid and irresistible dream of this precious, beloved Pearlie after receiving the news. So Mama Ezeli would return one last time to the South, 
even if it meant risking the illness of influenza and the indignation of segregated travel in a cross-country Pullman sleeper. In this midnight vision, Mama Ezeli conjured the most powerful prayer of protection over her younger beloved, one powerful enough to envelop Pearlie and all who are entrusted in her care with limitless divine ancestral joy throughout the rest of time. And the dream called for her to stand along these very riverbanks with a jar of fireflies, then light a flame two beeswax candles at twilight, and just watch the way the fireflies through this humid, sultry air. So there, Mama Ezeli stood, waiting and watching and waiting for the moment that her wildest dream came true. Before she could complete her final meditative breath in preparation for this blessing, the scampering sounds of young Pearlie's feet skipping towards the waterfront caught Mama Ezeli's ear. Pitter-pat, pitter-pat, pitter-pitter-pitter-pitter-pat. Mama Ezeli! Pearlie exclaimed between big breaths as she rushed through the lush, matted grass puddles. She could not wait to show off how many fireflies she was able to catch before nightfall, just as Mama Ezeli had requested. Mama Ezeli, she yelled again, this time trying to catch both her breath and her balance as she slipped to a stop by the mud banks of the Cresting River. She approached Mama Ezeli with her tiny but determined hands, holding a rather large glass mason jar teeming with fireflies. Child, Mama Ezeli said in a low and slow voice. Pearlie had been around her Gigi grandmama, as she sometimes called her, unable to pronounce all the words through her missing front tooth, long enough now to know that child, said like that, meant calm down. Now ain't the time for play. But Pearlie could not contain her excitement any better than the mason jar could contain the excited glowing of the fireflies. Look it! Look it! See? See how many fireflies I catched? Look it! She yelled proudly and loudly as she held the jar high above her head. Hush. Mommy Zeely didn't say this in a punitive or harsh way but rather as an invitation to listen to the shushing of the steady streaming river chute. Pearlie didn't quite understand this, so she persisted. But Mommy is it, child, I said, shush. This time, Mommy Ezeli held the sound with the deep, full breath she was needing to take, which fortunately was long enough for young Pearlie to settle. Yes, ma'am. Pearlie said as she lowered her gaze, clutching her hands around the mason jar of fireflies. Beloved Pearlie, I must say this once, but hear me twice. Mommy Zeli said firmly so as to attract Pearlie's eyes upwards to meet hers. Don't you dare in your life ever call me ma'am or any other plantation title of etiquette ever again. You call me Mama Ezeli or that GG whatever you call me, but never ma'am. You understand me, beloved? Yes, ma'am. Pearlie caught herself in time. My Ezeli? Good. Besides, it sounds too much like a nickname I left behind a long time ago. But you're still too young for a grown folk story. 
She chuckled, giving Pearlie and herself a half-second's grace as she reminisced on once being known as Madam Ezeli of the Wild West in her more youthful days. From the corner of Pearlie's eyes, she caught Mama Ezeli's pursed smile forming from the corner of her lips. She instinctively did the same. They were, indeed, cut from the same cloth. Pearlie had dark crescent moon eyes, just like Mama Ezeli, that glimmered as she smiled, lighting up her chestnut brown face. And before her gray tuft locks, Mama Ezeli had woolly midnight hair as Pearlie did, also worn in two braided puffs. She couldn't wait to tell of all the powerful memories held within her hair energy. Well, if I'm too young for grown stories, tell me one of your children's stories, Pearlie playfully pleaded. We are here for a purpose, Pearlie. I'll tell the story of this story at bedtime. But now is sacred time when light welcomes night, explained Mama Ezeli. Then why are we here? Isn't it scary to be out at night? Her question cut Mama Ezeli to her heart. She knew it wasn't the dark that Pearlie feared, but rather who she lost to it. Don't you worry about that, beloved. We have time yet still for this ceremony, she gently assured, waving her hand to summon Pearlie closer. Well, how long does it take to say your money, and why do you need fireflies? Ceremony, Mama Ezeli gently corrected before Pearlie interrupted. It's not my fault you talk funny. Y'all real different where you from. It took all her strength for Mama Ezeli not to laugh at the audacious, truth-telling spirit of this child. She cleared her throat and continued. The ceremony ends only after it begins, and it only begins when your spirit is ready, and your spirit is only ready if your intention is set. Your Nia must be spoken with truth. If my knees can talk, why would they lie? Pearlie giggled. The quick side eye from Mama Ezeli let her know that playtime was over, though her youthful mind wondered, why not play and pray at the same time? The words rhyme for a reason. Nia. Nia means intention in Arabic, baby, Mama Ezeli patiently replied. And it is my intention to love and protect you and all who are entrusted with you with this protective prayer of light, water, and if need be, fire. Is that why we need the fireflies? As Pearlie's eyes lit up, so did her mason jar, glowing and flashing excitedly like bottled lightning and fireworks. Ah! She gasped. Did you see that, Mommy Zaley? Look it! Indeed I did. So it looks like you are in your intention as well. It means you are ready for this prayer, beloved, even if you don't know the words yet. Mommy Zaley said with encouragement and pride. We must hurry while we have final rays of daylight, she continued. Come to the river with me. Pearlie walked down to Mama Ezeli, where the ruddy, muddy clay and the river's gentle crest met her feet. She placed the mason jar down between the candles, still amazed by the fireflies glowing, fading, and glowing again, but now harmoniously in rhythm together like swarming rainbow constellation stars. 
Mama Ezeli reached out her hands and placed them gently on Pearlie's forehead as if to baptize her in the waters, just as Pearlie had seen many times before during revival services at her uncle's AME church. Instead, Mama Ezeli began to hum some ring shout or hymn that Pearlie never heard before. The high-pitched humming started softly at first, like a warbler chirping in soprano and finding its pitch. But her hums grew more intense with each passing breath, and her vibrato voice vibrated louder before finally she released a full-bodied and full-breathed shout, Bless these waters! Pearly, as if by instinct, sang with all the might she could muster in this call and response. Bless these waters, bless the night, bless this night, bless our fire, bless our fire, bless our light. As they sang out the final stanza in harmonized echoes that shook the thick air of Gun Island Chute, The mason jar shattered into shards and candles blew out as if blown by a rushing storm breeze. And the fireflies, now fiercely glowing in rhythmic harmony, swirled around Pearlie's outstretched hands. As they were dancing in the smoke trail swirling about her fingertips, it looked as if they were forming a glowing shield of light around her. Mama Ezeli smiled. This was her wildest dream. Summer, 2019, Montgomery County. Tell me the story of Gigi Pearlie's song, baby Nia demanded of her uncle Ali as she continued to procrastinate bedtime. Ali Khalil Brown, namesake for one of their forefathers, was known by many names. Lil Ali, Brownie, King Khalil, Big Ock, AK-47. But... Baby Nia had the privilege of affectionately calling him by his favorite nickname of all time, Baba Kuya. She loved whenever Ali would come visit while he was home from college in New York and always ask him for bedtime poems, stories, and songs in the late night. Nia was very persuasive, not only because she was his only chibling, but also because she's a much friendlier audience compared to the NYC crowds he usually faced the rest of the year. Baba Kuya, please, she pleaded. Ah, I ate, but I've recited Gigi Pearlie's poem like mad times for you now. Well, recite the poem one more happy time, she replied matter-of-factly, making Ali bellow out a genuine belly laugh. <laughs> Yo, that was good. And you weren't even trying to be funny. I you win, he conceded as she squealed for joy. But you know the rules. Rule number one, one diva, one mic. And despite your little mood, let it be known, I'm the diva. Yes! Nia exclaimed despite hearing his pre-performance setup for the umpteenth time. Rule number dose, you know how I like my stage lighting. You're doing too much, Nia laughed, reaching for the night lamp by her bed. She took off the lampshade and shined it on Ali like a bright spotlight directly towards his face. She didn't quite understand why Babakuya Ali flinched a bit when she did so, but it didn't go unnoticed. 
Catching her slight look of concern, Ali snapped back into character. And next up on the mic, welcome, Baba Kuya Ali! Nia mimicked the muffled sounds of a crowd roaring in excitement as he stepped up to the stage, or in this case, her small wooden dresser at the foot of her bed. Ali took a deep breath, recalling the poem he wrote for Gigi Pearlie's funeral. She passed within a few weeks after Nia was born, the summer of 2014. He had just graduated high school and started a few courses at junior college. He felt like he was on his way in life, a new future. But that summer changed everything. Ali loved reciting this poem for Nia because there was something special about her that reminded him of Gigi Pearlie. Perhaps their infectious energy, perhaps their eyes. He looked up and caught a glimpse of both. He saw she was ready. So he began. A song for Gigi Pearlie. The fireflies like Prayers on the canvas of freedom dreams etched to memories by callous fingertips on palms, hands up, and knee bent like the way our grandmamas, grandmamas used to pray. The fireflies like her hum of hymns and profane proverbs spoken in the same breath with power so resolute that even the whispering moon fades in reverent silence, speaking only to say her name. The fireflies like the rage of her joy, dancing as shadows with night as flames with smoke. This time the fire is her drum. The fireflies like her wildest dreams born of truth and ash as she sings. Bless these waters, bless this night, bless our fire, bless our light. Yay! Young Nia jumped out of bed with a standing ovation of snaps. Ali clasped together his prayer hands and received her appreciation while returning the love. Bless, bless, bless. Love you, baby Nia. Now it's time to go to bed. Okay, but, but, she whispered, putting extra energy on her pout face. But, but, but what? Ali teased. Not but, and, Nia's face lit up, and I want more. I want you to tell me the story about the poem. Ali paused again. He knew this question was coming because she always asked after finding out he wrote it the night she was born. And yet, there he stood, frozen in his thoughts, trying to figure out how even to respond to this request without breaching the emotional levy he so defiantly guarded for himself whenever she would inevitably ask him about this poem. How could he tell her about one of the most dangerous and most surreal nights of his life, one that felt like it could have been his last, if not for, the miracle? I don't want to be the one to have to give her the talk about policing at this age, he thought to himself. She still sleeps with a damn nightlight. Is she ready? Ali stopped himself in the middle of the tracks of his own train of thoughts with a moment of humbled awareness. He was just as afraid to tell his story as he was for her to hear it. Was he ready to relive it again? Even if he could, how would he finesse it for a five-year-old to understand? 
he decided to stall. Hey, let me ask you this, though. You ask me that every time I do that poem. And every time you ask, I tell you, maybe when you're older, they said simultaneously when Nia mockingly joined in on the refrain. Ali sucked his teeth with feigned indignation as he pointed at her. See there, you know my response. So why you want to hear that story so bad? Because I only know Gigi Pearly through your story, she shrugged. Damn, you had to go there, huh? Ali said quietly, but accidentally out loud. Oh, you cuss it, Nia teased. Womp, womp. Ali always imitated a trombone when he made a verbal slip. My bad, baby Nia. Ain't nothing I haven't already heard before anyway, she proclaimed defensively, not wanting him to think she couldn't handle a grown folk story, as he called it. We'll both pretend we didn't hear what we just heard. Either way, just need to warn you about this story. This story is like, yeah, it's pretty intense. And damn near unbelievable. Too intense and unbelievable for me? But I like make-believe, she said, containing her excitement for both the story setup and that Ali's second cuss word clearly just demonstrated a new level of trust with her. Well, yeah, but for me too. And it's my story. Well, and Gigi Pearlie's. Well, yours. You deserve to hear it, but... Can I trust you with my story? Will you believe me and keep my secret? Ali asked in a low, serious tone. Wallahi, Nia said, matching his energy with her hand over her heart. That's good enough for me. So, um, here goes nothing and everything. Have I ever told you the story of how fireflies saved my life the night you were born? What? No! Tell me! Tell me! Tell me! Tell me! Nia exclaimed as she waved her hands uncontrollably with excitement. Just as he was readying to speak, Ali's trauma flashes began to kick in, amplifying everything. How his breath was getting shallow, palms getting sweaty, and heart getting heavy. He began to drift. It was 2014 all over again in his mind. Ali remembered how he wished his Tinder date that night had told him their family he was visiting lived in the notoriously racist gated community in the east side of town before agreeing to drop them off home. He remembered how he was tailgated in his hand-me-down hatchback by an unmarked SUV flashing its high beams and ramming into his rear bumper. He remembered how, in a panicked moment of survival, he tried to swerve into side streets and alleys only for the assigned community police units to enter the fray, flashing its blue and white lights, ordering him to pull over or he would open fire. He remembered his horror as the unmarked SUV blocked him in from the front side as a half-dozen uniforms swarmed in, reaching for their holsters, how the officer approached the SUV as if to have a citizen's council meeting about his fate and form of punishment. Ali remembered every single symbol displayed as if part of their uniforms, from their Confederate and blue line flag tattoos, Punisher skull card decals, the I'm the infidel Allah warned you about, and if you can read this, I'll shoot you, written in Arabic, bumper stickers. But most of all, it was the empty Icy stares looking through him, 
not at him, that struck fear for his life. For being a black, young, queer man in a post-Trayvon, post-Eric Garner, post-Mike Brown world that just let all their murderers walk free. It was dangerous to be seen as a threat, but it was absolutely deadly to be unseen as a human. That was the story of their eyes. Is this the story he really wanted to tell her now? No, not tonight, he decided. But she should still hear the truth. Ali drew out a deep breath and cleared his throat. Aight, you old enough to hear the truth about Gigi Pearlie. And it all happened the night you were born that inspired my poem. This is going to be good, Nia squealed as she settled into her sheets. The truth is, she's magic, he said plainly and slowly, looking directly in her crescent-mooned amberstone eyes. And so are you. Nia fell silent, not having ever seen her uncle look or sound this way before. You were born early. I didn't even know sis had gone into labor since I was out on a date. But on my way home, I was pulled over, well, more like surrounded and almost arrested or worse. For what? What happened? DWB. Driving while black in the wrong place at the wrong time. How rude. Where was that? Where isn't it? He thought before answering. Right here in town. Eastside. Ooh, Nia replied, knowing exactly what that meant. I went directly into protective mode, turned on all my lights, slightly cracked my window, put down my phone in plain view, and kept my wallet and registration on my dashboard. Started to hit record on my phone, and that's when I noticed it was 11.13 p.m. Hey, that's the exact time I was born. I know. I'll never forget it. 11.13 p.m. I'll never forget because that's also the exact moment. He paused as he gulped. The moment those half-dozen troopers circled my beat-up car, guns drawn and ready to blast. Baba Koya, no! Pearlie said emotionally and almost tearfully as she reached for his hand. What happened? They were ready to blast until my radio blasted. Gigi Pearlie's prayer song. It's crazy because she sang their prayer to me, our mamas, our cousins, and all of us children when we were born. Bless these waters. Bless this night. Bless our fire. Bless our light. I know I sound crazy, but like, I haven't heard her pray those words in like mad hella years. But in that moment, I swear, while I hear on everything that I love, I heard her voice like she was singing through my car speakers. I heard clear as the night. And they heard it too. The ones who were trying to hurt you and take you away, Baba Kuya? Nia asked. No, whispered Ali as he continued to flash back. The fireflies. The room was still as he slowed himself down for a beat, gathering his memories for the millionth time to make sure it indeed was his truth. 
I thought the blue and red and white flashing lights were from their squad sirens, but it wasn't. It was a swarm of neon fireflies, all glowing like a constellation of Christmas lights flashing in sync with the cadence and intensity of Gigi Pearlie's words. And they started coming out of everywhere. My AC, my floorboard, the gas pipe, the back seats, the speakers, flying in formation like a whirlwind until they covered my entire car. Whoa! A swarm of neon fireflies. That's so awesome, Nia breathed out in mesmerized whispers. I haven't even told you the craziest part yet, Ali said with an incredulous smirk. How was that possible? What happened? She gasped immediately. There were so many fireflies in the swarm flying so quickly around my car that all I could see was a shield of light, like they were in a dance and trance to her words. And when Gigi Pearlie finished her prayer, blessed this night, everything faded to black. Her voice, all the lights, the fireflies, everything faded. And I can't explain it. To this day, I have never told anyone. But I was magically, miraculously home. In my hatchback, in my garage, with my hands up over my head still, there in the driveway. It was like the prayer was a portal home. And of course, I forgot to hit record. He stopped and stared at his hands, now holding Nia's knowing she could feel their balmy shakes. She saved my life, her prayer song, and these magical-ass fireflies saved my life, but left me with my raggedy-ass car. Ali shook his head, chuckling as he released her hands to wipe down his face, almost in disbelief for his own story. Without saying a word, Nia reached out and hugged her beloved Babakuya tightly around his neck. And it happened the night you was born, baby Nia. Ali's voice shook as he spoke. Y'all, save me that night. How? What did I do? Nia asked as she wiped away her own tears with her right hand as she clutched Ali tighter than ever with her left. You being born, arriving early to make sure she sang that prayer right on time. And because it wasn't just Gigi Pearlie's voice I heard, I heard yours too. Crying in pitch to the words of her song, you have her eyes, you have her voice, you have her magic. Ali looked lovingly at his niece's beaming, smiling face. No, I have my magic, she joyfully boasted, hugging him around his neck. Ali laughed and smiled. Ashe, baby Nia, Ashe. Good night, beloved, and keep this our secret. She squeezed him tightly again as he tucked her into bed. He reached to turn off the lamp that served as his spotlight. Bye-bye, Kuya. Yes, beloved. Love you. Love you back. But bye-bye, Kuya? Yes, Nia. Can you tell me another story? Summer, 1919, Montgomery County. 
Hurley could barely settle for bed that night after all the excitement earlier. Mama Ezeli made her promise not to tell anyone what happened on the Banks of Gun Island shoot, not until the time was right anyway. As Mama Ezeli tucked her in, she couldn't help but ask, was that Mama and Baba shining through the fireflies? Mama Ezeli smiled without answering and kissed Pearlie on the forehead. Well, will you tell me the bedtime story you promised? She clearly hadn't forgotten. As if you hadn't had enough adventure for tonight. Well, I did give you my word that I'd tell you the story of my vision dream that brought me here to you. And it was all fulfilled tonight. Young Pearlie smiled her gap-toothed grin from ear to ear as she snuggled deeper into her soft feathered pillow and quilted cotton bed sheets. Mama Ezeli set the candle down by Pearlie's bedside table. The shadows flickered ecstatically against the pine wood walls. Mama Ezeli caressed her beloved's forehead as she began the story. Once upon a dream time, Mother Moon sent her love song wrapped in seeds of light to protect her beloved children below. And Mother Moon smiled down upon the earth watching with joy her beloveds, dancing in safety of shadows as they trail the way her love shines. But then, the fire eaters came. Mother Moon watched in horror as their hunters, cloaked in secrets of midnight, kidnapped her children like fireflies encased in glass, stealing her love songs wrapped in seeds of light to fuel their master's appetite for fear. She called upon sister stars of the farthest twilight sky to carry down new songs of protection wrapped, this time, in seeds of fire. And the fire eaters consumed these seeds, not knowing Mother Moon's songs now buried in their bellies, taking root and would one day blossom from within. Mother Moon watched in awe as her sister stars, cloaked in uniforms of twilight, released her children like fireflies encased in glass, singing new love songs wrapped in seeds of fire to fuel her children's appetites for freedom. Mama Ezeli sighed and looked down to see that young Pearlie had fallen asleep. As she blew out her bedside candle, she saw some flickerings continue to glow just outside the window. She chuckled quietly, stood up, and began to head to her sleeping quarters for the evening. She paused at the doorway of Pearlie's room and turned back to whisper the rest of her dream story. And Mother Moon smiled down upon the earth, watching with joy her beloveds, dancing in shields of smoke as they trail the way the fireflies. The Dream Tank. Memories as Supercode. Welcome back, Ibrahim. You're returning from a series of simulations. Take three deep breaths and open your eyes with a softened gaze so you can readjust. How did that feel for you, Ibrahim? Aya's voice again woke Ibrahim's dreaming. He felt the stinging of hot tears begin to well up, lumpy-throated and tight. I saw my great-aunt Naya. I saw her story. I saw my ancestors' actual dreams. 
I can't help but feel all the joy and rage. It's overwhelming. I see you. Is there anything you need in this moment? A breath, Ibrahim exhaled. Because it doesn't help that you sound like her. Take several. Take time. Aya's invitation was welcomed. Ibrahim breathed in several breaths deeply, slowly. It's taken of time that gets to me the most. I mean, how do we measure the impact of reparative policies when what was stolen from us was time? How much time has been taken? How many collective years were redlined away from our lifetimes where our zip codes were more predictive of life expectancy than our genetic codes at birth? How many microseconds stolen from microaggressions can be aggregated in entire time loops of deep breaths and resets to reground ourselves in our own humanity? How many years of collective healing, joy, and imagination were denied because our dreams were locked up, locked out, or locked down to the point where even our freedom fighters thought it foolhardy to dream new dreams? The safe passage of black children should not be an act of radical imagination. But that is what this quantum imagination of white supremacy would have us believe. The dream tank filled with silence, as if in memoriam, when Ibrahim finished. I'm sorry for the rant, Ibrahim quietly apologized, if only to break the eerie quiet. No need to apologize for your truth. Perhaps it would be appropriate to explore how others remember and reclaim time with their loved ones. Ibrahim was taken aback. He wasn't prepared for the Dream Tank's AI system to recommend a question, but the recommendation felt like the best next step. Yes, let's do that. He paused to gather his thoughts into a seven-word question. Who must be remembered on Abolition Day? A vortex of neon hues flashed around the Dream Tank as it processed the new simulation. Invitation accepted. Are you ready, Ibrahim? And as suddenly as he said yes, everything faded to black. Join us on the next episode as we journey into a post-abolitionist future inside a new dream tank simulation that explores the question, who must be remembered on Abolition Day? This has been Black Freedom Beyond Borders, Memories of Abolition Day, a production of The Big We. I am your host, Sequoia Gray. Our executive producers are Nasa Troutman for The Big We and Calvin Williams for Wakanda Dream Lab. Our producers are Shayna Simmons for The Big We and Noah Glenn for Perpetual Motion. Noah Glenn also mixed and edited this podcast. Stories were read by Teresa Willis and J.S. Tate. This podcast was recorded at Outer Space, an unapologetic studio in Memphis. It was engineered by I Make Mad Beats and assistant engineered by LJ1S. The stories in this podcast were originally published in 2020 by Wakanda Dream Lab and Policy Link. The project was made possible by the Kresge Foundation. All written works remain the property of their respective authors, licensed for use by Wakanda Dream Lab and Policy Link for this podcast. This production is dedicated to George Floyd, Drejan Reed, Michael Ramos, Brianna Taylor, Manuel Ellis, Atatiana Jefferson, Elijah McLean, Emantic Bradford Jr., 
Chinadu Okobi, Botham Jean, Antoine Rose Jr., Saheed Vassal, Stefan Clark, Aaron Bailey, Charlena Lyles and her unborn child, Jordan Edwards, Chad Robertson, Deborah Danner, Alfred Alongo, Terrence Crutcher, Terrence Sterling, Corinne Gaines, Joseph Mann, Belendo Castile, Alton Sterling, Betty Jones, Quintonio Legrier, Corey Jones, Jamar Clark, Jeremy McDowell, India Kager, Samuel DeBose, Sandra Bland, Brendan Glenn, Freddie Gray Jr., Walter Scott, Eric White, Maya Hall, Megan Huckaday, Tony Robinson Jr., Janissa Fonville, Natasha McKenna, Jeremy Reed, Rumaine Brisbow, Tamir Rice, Akai Gurley, Tanisha Anderson, Dante Parker, Ezel Ford, Michael Brown Jr., John Crawford III, Eric Garner, Dontre Hamilton, Victor White III, Gabriela Navares, Yvette Smith, Mackenzie Cochran, Jordan Baker, Andy Lopez, Miriam Carey, Barrington Williams, Jonathan Farrell, Carlos Alsis, Larry Eugene Jackson Jr., Kayam Livingston, Clinton Allen, Kimani Gray, Kayla Moore, Jamal Moore Sr., Johnny Warren, Shelly Frey, Darnisha Harris, Timothy Russell, Melissa Williams, Noel Polanco, Reynaldo Cuevas, Chavez Carter, Alicia Thomas, Chantel Davis, Charmel Edwards, Tamman Robinson, Irvin Jefferson, Kendrick McDade, Rakia Boyd, Sharice Francis, Jersey Green, Wendell Allen, Nehemiah Dillard, Dante Price, Raymond Allen Jr., Manuel Loggins Jr., Romarley Graham, Trayvon Martin, Oscar Grant, and too many more. May we honor your stories by transforming the stories of our future.